Lord, we thank you for your presence in this place. I just pray in the next few moments you would stir our hearts. Uh, just inject into us something of your presence to help us, I pray. We, we, I believe there's an anointing to help you in this place today. So, Father God, just release a little bit of wisdom and power along with wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Just look up, would you? Um, just very, very briefly before I, I, I go on, um, uh, the Resonate Conference, which is a Saturday with Dan McCollum. Dan McCollum is part of the Bethel School of Supernatural uh, Worship, uh, linked to Bethel Red in California, where there's an amazing sense of a move of God. On the Friday night, so the Saturday is going to be in Kingswood Academy, but the Friday night is a meeting open for all, not just for creatives and worship people, and we're going to be in Beverly Minster seeking God for fresh waves of revival in our region and our nation. Amen? Uh, the, the Minster has an incredible history of, uh, of miracles, and we just want to stir all that up, and Dan's going to be with us, Roma's going to be with us, some other worship leaders from the United States, uh, and even an artist from Australia is coming as well. So there's quite a group gathering it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, do book in. You really need to book in for that on the Friday night. Uh, tickets are available from revivechurch.co.uk. You will find these have a, you know, a little bit of a price to them, but you've got to understand we're bringing teams from Australia and America to come and invest in East Yorkshire. So it does cost to do all these things, so you'll understand why there's a bit of a ticket price on them. But have a look at that. Let's have an incredible time. Just get in the middle of Beverly Minster and go, come on, God. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, growl at someone. Don't, don't go all nice on me now. You've got to have a bit of a growl in your life. Amen? So uh, it's going to be great. I, I just want to share with you for a few moments. Where's my clock there? For a few moments on the area. I started a little while ago on discerning destiny. And uh, uh, we started with this scripture. You are God's work of art. Tell the person next to you, you're a work of art. And, and I just want to teach you to, to be biblical, okay, and not do the false humility thing. Tell them, I know. <laughs> I know. I don't thank you for noticing that I am indeed a work of art. I know. You're God's work of art, but who knows that destiny is an unusual thing to discern at times. We go through seasons and we go through periods of life, and sometimes anybody ever found life difficult to comprehend, yeah. right? I like straight lines, uh, this is a very brief re recap. I wish destiny was like this. Nice straight lines, story after story. Do you know what I mean? Everything in its place. That just works for me with my, um, with my OCD. Everything in its place. I even think, well, you know, if God would write in fine lines, it would be lovely to be, for my life to be a work of art where it's fine lines and there's a sense of perspective and there's still a great sense of order. But God, I find, is often an artist that does more of this kind of thing. Picasso. And he paints in unusual ways in our life. Uh, if we learn the ways of God, then we can run in the things of God. So I want to talk about the ways of God a little bit in one area. We looked at this picture just briefly. Take your time. Take it in. Up the top is what you think is going to happen. At the bottom, come on, those that have lived a bit longer, that's what it's really like, right? There's things you did not expect. There's pits, there's things to climb, there's, there's, uh, there's oceans to sail. There's all kinds of stuff you've got to get through. Here's another one I found, and this is for leaders. Right? I can testify that life is more about this uh, than this. And it, actually, when we look at each other, life doesn't feel like it looks. 
That's why we often discount ourselves and look at others and go, well, they seem to have it all together by how they speak or even how they, isn't it funny, it's little things, isn't it? How they dress, what they drive, how, how life appears. Uh, but life for all of us, a lot of the time, not all the time, I, I love it when you get brief seasons like that. They tend to last about 53 minutes and then I'm back to that, <laughs> right? We need to discern what God's doing in this very real messy thing called life. Right, and so we're just going to do a bit of that, and I'm going to go really brief. I want to bring you one lesson from King David this morning, and I just believe this is a prophetic word for some of you in this room, and you're going to have to, have to receive in the next 20 minutes a little bit of a download, not just of information, but I believe the Spirit of God is here in this room to do something in your hearts. There's an impartation going to go on, and I believe the Spirit of God has been uh, brooding over this place. So uh, everybody say, yabba dabba do. Say, I receive it in Jesus' name. You know, we're going to receive something from God. Amen? And just, Lord, just do it in our hearts. I don't really want to speak right now. I just want to lie on the floor. I just sense. We were in Scotland last weekend. The presence of God in one of the meetings came so strong. The meeting started with three deaf ears opening. I just feel that something of the Spirit of God is stirring. Um. We won't go there. Uh, in life, we, we come up against roadblock moments, uh, pauses. Anybody ever come across it? It's like God presses the pause button, and he leaves it on pause a lot longer than we want uh, very often. But we come up to roadblocks and little dead ends, and little things happen that kind of block our way. And I just want to use the story of David and Goliath just to show you something. Um, very brief recap for anyone that doesn't know the story of David and Goliath. So David is this young shepherd boy. He's good with a sling. He's been out in the country looking after sheep. He's been fighting off wild animals. And one day he arrives uh, uh, to bring some, some cheese sandwiches to his brothers who are uh, 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 at the battle lines because Israel is going to fight the Philistines. And the way that they've decided to do it is the, the champion Goliath, who is nine foot six, is challenging the armies of Israel and saying, okay, let's not waste all our men. Let's just, you send one of you guys to come fight me and I'm nine foot six. And, and so David, in the end, steps forward, and we know the story. He, he shoots with his sling, and he kills Goliath. Um, there are Goliath things. Let's go to what we're going to use this story for. We face Goliaths that we need to defeat in order to enter destiny. Every one of us is going to face stuff that's bigger than we are, bigger than we can naturally cope with, and God is going to use it to springboard us into the realization that God is real and this thing works and that my God is mighty for me. If you choose to live in the mundane, you can do that, absolutely, and live a life that looks like Christianity, but actually it's powerless religion. But if we face our Goliaths, our roadblocks, our pauses, uh, if, we, if we face things that come against us, sometimes it's sickness, sometimes it's debt, sometimes it's relational conflict, sometimes it's our singleness, sometimes it's just situations we find ourselves in and life goes into pause. And there's two things that problems can be in our lives. And the first one is this. Um, Roadblocks come and intimidating things come into our lives. 
just look at the bits in red, and I've taken sections. It's 1 Samuel 17, you can go read it this week. The first thing to note, Goliath was a champion. In other words, he had a track record of winning. You are going to face stuff that has a track record of taking other people down. And you have to decide, my God is greater than any champion's track record. He's greater than any diagnosis. He's greater than any debt. He's greater than any conflict. He's greater than my own depression. My God is strong and he can fix anything. So someone's going to have to rise in as they go, I don't care what your reputation is, my God's greater. But you're going to face stuff that challenge the reputation of God in your life. Number two, he was big. Everybody say big. big. He was nine foot six. I can't even imagine that. He was, he was Richard Dixon plus another third. <laughs> Which I would just think it would just be snowing up there, you know. I feel like asking Richard what's the weather like up there sometimes. Nine foot six. He, you're going to face stuff that's big. But now Jesus talked about facing mountains down. Talked about problems as mountains. You're going to face stuff that's big. Everything about him is big. His, his, his spear was big. Uh, at the end of verse 7, uh, he has an entourage. Right? His shield bearer went ahead of him. So he's a champion, he's big, and he's even got an entourage. I mean, this guy, intimidating is the word. If you face intimidating situations, listen, you are in a pivotal point of destiny. Don't shrink because of something intimidating. Intimidation, beating intimidation is going to make you who you need to be, right? Goliath stood and shouted, problems are loud, and they're usually loudest at about three in the morning. Can anybody testify? Testify with me, right? At three in the morning, that thing is shouting in your emotions. I can't take it anymore. I've got to to end this. I can't do another day. We have problems that shout loudly in our emotions. These things are going to face you, but listen, they're going to be the making of you. Finally, they defy you. Yeah? You're a Christian? Let's see if you're a Christian. You know that God that comes for other people and opens a blind eye in Uganda or opens a deaf ear in Scotland? He's not really your God. He works for everyone but you. But listen, this thing is going to be the making of you. So number one, our problems are intimidating and big. They're roadblocks. And another one is this. When they become chronic, it's difficult. Just let me read this. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and every evening and took his stand. The Philistine champion from Gath stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now, just work with me for a moment. So this is the picture. All of Israel lines up on one side of one valley, and all the Philistines line up on the other side, and they all have a good old washout. And they bang their shields. Think, you know, brave heart, something like that. They're all having a good old yell. And then Goliath, nine foot six, he steps out, and he challenges them. Come on then, you bunch of wimps, send someone out to take me on. And all Israel run away. That's the morning. Then it's the evening. Israel toddles out again and they all line up. And the Philistines line up. And they all have a good old, and then Philistine, uh, uh, Goliath walks out. Come on then, if you think you're hard enough, come and send someone out to fight me. And all the Israelites run away. That's the first day. The second day, all the Israelites come out and line up. And all the Philistines line up. And Goliath walks out and comes, come on then, if you think you're hard enough. Nine foot six. And all the Israelites 
run away. That's the morning of the second day. In the evening, all the Israelites line up and all the Philistines line up and Goliath comes out, come on then if you think you're hard enough and all the Israelites run away. That's the second day. On the morning of the third day, all the Israelites line up and all the Philistines line up and Goliath walks out, come on then if you're hard enough and all the Israelites run away. That's the morning of the third day, the evening of the third day. Are you bored? Well, exactly. I mean, by about day four, I would have been going, do we really have to go and line up? Because we know he's going to come out and we know we're all going to run away. 80 times. Let's go and line up again and see what happens this time. Maybe he's got a cold or the flu and they'll send some little guy, come on out if you think you're hard enough. That's the day we'll have him, right? It's one thing when it happens once, but when a problem builds momentum and morning and evening, can you just close that door for me? Somebody, just James, thanks. Uh, morning and evening, intimidating. And it, how long does it take to build a habit? Some people say three weeks, some people say six weeks, but either way, you're even building neural pathways that go, when he walks out, we're running away. And in fact, your mind knows to do it. And your legs know to do it even before you engage thought. Six weeks in, you're just running. Because when problems are chronic, they take over. Problems that are big and problems that are chronic. But understand this. Every problem has its end day. It might be Friday, but Sunday's coming. Right? It might be nighttime, but dawn is going to come. God is the Lord of seasons and times. And so when he says, now is the end, we need to be awake enough in our chronic problems to go, this is it. Now is the end. This debt, this, this, this career halting thing, this relational conflict, this depression, this sickness, now it ends. This, this poverty mentality over my finances that it just seems to go. People say money talks. It says goodbye much too often. <laughs> Something needs to break. And you see, God will bring you to a place where your Goliaths will define you and turn you into men and women of God. But here's the point. You have to be ready for the new day. Not everyone is. If you've been listening to the problem morning and night for 40 days, you're probably more full of the problem than the capacity of God. But along comes David. Look at what David did. Oh, I like the picture. So we're, going, we're getting near to the end of the story just as David's about to kill Goliath. And I, what I'm after is just this verse. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the Philistine. David ran. Everybody say run. run. Everybody say run, Forrest! <laughs> See, the thing about a chronic problem and, and a big problem is we tend to run away from it. That's what they've been doing 80 times. And now this young lad was going to run towards the problem. Because he knew the problem's time had come. 
You see, God has seasons. We talk about 40 days, we talk about three years, we talk about seven years. I've seen season changes and you know it's a kairos moment in God. That means it's a moment of change and adjustment and as spiritual people we must be awake to the adjustments of God. Whether a thing has gone on seven years or whether a thing has gone on three years or sometimes it really is just a six week halt. But we gotta know, hang on a minute, the spirit of God is speaking. I've gotta be more awake to the voice of God than to the voice of reason. I've gotta be able to listen to God and know enough is enough it's time to run and not run away it's time to run towards this thing that's intimidating me and I believe church there are things in our lives in this room that it is time to run towards and it's time to break out of and say I believe a new season is coming the spirit of God came upon Elijah he saw His servant saw the cloud the size of a man's hand and he began to run under the power of God. Listen, when you've been sitting and running from, it feels weird at first to start to think I've got to run towards. But listen, I believe there's a running in this room that God is saying. There's a new level of destiny coming to lives in this room. There's a new point of break out and break off. Uh, Was Dwayne White talking about going up and over into a new thing in God? Listen, there's something in this room of God and he's saying it's time to run it's time to stir up it's time to let God speak into our lives amen listen God has the end of seasons I'm going to give you the answer to my question I'm going to ask you a series of questions listen the answer is 40 days just practice it what's the answer right listen to this how long did it rain on the earth when when God was was punishing the wickedness of mankind in Noah's day how many days did it rain How long was Moses on the mountain receiving the law? How long did the spies go into the promised land to explore it? How long was Elijah running to the mountain of God? How long was Jonah preaching in Nineveh? How long was Jesus in the wilderness before he entered a new season? How long did Jesus appear to his disciples after his resurrection? You see, there's some, when God is changing something, you've got to understand he is in charge of time. And he says, listen, you've got to be listening to me. You've got to be like the sons of Issachar to realize there will come a moment when this chronic thing ends and a new season comes into your life. But you've got to be awake to the voice of God to realize it ends today. There's got to be something in us. There were four lepers outside Samaria. And they were sitting there and Samaria was terrified and and the enemy armies were sieging and stuck in the middle because they couldn't be in the city was these four lepers. And their conclusion was, if we go into the city, it's famine, we'll die. If we sit here, we're going to die. we got leprosy. If we go to the camp of the enemies, we'll probably die. But here's our, conclu- our conclusion. Why sit here till we die? Let's just move. Jonathan and his armor bearer looked up at the Philistines and said, well, let's just go anyway. Perhaps God. Everybody say, perhaps God. There comes a moment in life when you just start to have to move towards the very thing that intimidates you. And you have to begin to take action and say, okay, like like Elisha, when he picked up Elijah's cloak, he picks up the cloak and goes, okay then, where now is the God of Elijah? It's about time that we step into things and go, right God, this thing better work. As you're running towards Goliath, this thing better work but I am bored of being intimidated by big problems. I am certainly not going to let myself atrophy and settle into problems that are chronic and suddenly they become who I am. And in fact, in my problem, I buy a sofa and I get a TV remote and I sit down and I go, this is now who I am. Don't you dare. 
God is the God of fresh seasons. And the drought was ending. And all Elijah had was a little cloud. A little cloud on the horizon. And he said, that's enough. I knew it. This three-year season is ending. It's time to run. Just like David ran towards Goliath, Elijah ran. Elijah ran. It's time to run. New energy, new strength. Seasons end. The power of God comes on us and we run into a new thing in God. Three things that I believe we need to do to enter the run of God. Number one, you need to start planning. If you've been stuck in a chronic season, it's time to start planning and moving. Uh, David went and he picked up five stones. Please note he didn't pick up one. He had his options open. If the first one missed, the second one will have a go. The second one missed, well, we'll give a third go. If the third one missed, well, it won't. This guy's good. The bigger Goliath's head was, the better it was going to be. He was unmissable. He was a fat head. <laughs> Listen, if you're stuck, plan a move. You don't have to plan one, plan five. But whatever you do, start moving. Refuse to have a sofa in your problem area and say, I, I refuse. I don't care if you plan it spiritually or medically. I don't care if you plan it financially or practically, but somehow move. Because when you sense heavy rains coming, it's time to start moving because God's going to pick you up. You know, when you see someone surfing, if anybody ever body surfed, I've never done the standing up on a board, but I've done lots of body surfing when I was growing up. And when the wave is coming, you paddle like crazy just to make sure you get the right point of the wave. And there comes a moment when you've just been sitting, bobbing, watching, waiting, and suddenly the wave, the right wave is about to come, and you have to begin to create momentum yourself in order to catch the momentum that's outside of you. I believe there's a momentum from heaven coming to us, and we need to begin to paddle. I sense it in our prayers. I sense it in our worship. Something of the Spirit of God is bubbling up. People are telling me, there's, there's just something bubbling inside of me. I'm telling you, people, paddle! Move! Why? God's about to do something. Move your prayer life. Stir it. If you've been kind of lying there and your prayer life is empty and boring, who knows? You can have three-year seasons of boring prayer. Somebody's going, it's been a lifetime for me, you know. Listen, paddle. Stir it. Okay, okay, God, come on then. I just sense this something of God saying, I'm coming afresh. I'm going to end some seasons and start some new ones. Start to paddle, start to plan, start to move because I'm coming. Start to run towards the problem. Uh, create momentum, create movement. I've told you the story before about Amanda Varty. She was bedridden nine years. Nine years with a severe, untreatable form of M.E., and it, while she's lying in bed, one day God just said, go to church. There's this, this little things that come out of the intimacy of God that begin to get you yeah. moving. And sometimes they can be so mundane, we think they're not great spiritual things. It was just go to church. And she goes to church, and a, a few weeks later, she gets prayed for in a stumbling way. She, you know this girl, don't you, Mark? She gets out of her wheelchair and begins to walk. And this is what she said at the end of her testimony that UCB did. She said, one day in church, I was prayed for and got out of my wheelchair and walked, despite all my leg muscles being wasted away. When God showed me I needed to get up and walk on those legs. It was a huge moment of trust and obedience. I walked 100 meters that day. I was able to use a walking frame. Listen to this. This is planning and this is moving. And God put it on my heart to sign up for a 10-kilometer mini-marathon. She hadn't walked for nine years. It was the biggest step of faith I've ed I'd ever taken. 
but God rewarded me. Halfway round the course, I felt new strength, handed the walking frame to her husband, Steve, finished the course without it, and ran over the finish line. That is the moment God completely healed me of ME. Listen, stop planning your chronic repetition. We get so used to living in a desert and a drought, we design life around it. But I've come to tell you today, it's going to rain favor on your life. Yes. Plan for favor. Plan for miracles. Plan for salvation in your family. Plan to be debt-free. Plan for the Spirit of God to fall on you for your community. Plan for mission. Plan for excitement. Plan for careers of influence. Plan for increase. Plan for promotion. Plan for bigger house. Plan some of you for a rest. You need a holiday and stop thinking you don't deserve it. God wants to love you. Yes. Get out into the sun. Some of us looking so pale. Plan for blessing. And my last point, it's really spiritual. Have you noticed? Yelling. Because this is what happens. Our demeanor changes with chronic problems. And we become quiet under the problem. And somebody somewhere has to go, I refuse for this to be who I am. Enough is enough. I'm running at Goliath. Enough is enough. I'm running ahead of the chariot. Enough is enough. I'm blind Bartimaeus sat by the road. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he yelled and he embarrassed everyone around him. They tried to keep him quiet because that's what religion does. Don't try too hard. But when you sense God is walking by, change your emotional demeanor. Change your posture from one of failure to one of trusting victory in God, that he is the Lord of seasons and that night turns to day and that after Friday, there is a Sunday and that after sickness, there is healing and after morning, there is joy because you serve a God who sees you and knows you. God, stir. I'm preaching good. And I feel a season change. I feel a season change. Make sure you're shaken out of your chronic posture. The posture we take when we're in pain. It might have been 40 days, three years, or seven years. Sandra McKinley healed after six and a half years. And then suddenly you find in the build-up to a breakthrough healing, you'll find turbulence usually. I find turbulence in my life right now. But I have seen that it's the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is stirring something out of the turbulence. And I'm not sensing it's the enemy. I'm sensing it's God saying, come on, I'm shaking you into a new season. Have you got some turbulence? Anybody here got some turbulence? Come on, listen to the Spirit of God. How did David know to run when an entire well-armed army was running the other way? What was different? Well, he was a man after God's own heart. What's the next slide? It's out of intimacy. Look at the scripture. David said to Goliath, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. But look, look where he was coming from. I'm coming from you, not in the chronic pain of the situation. My ears aren't full of the diagnosis or full of the problem. I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. Amen. I've been binding my life to his in the desert, looking after some sheep. We've been singing together. We've been killing lions and bears together. In fact, he actually describes, David says, you know, he hit the lion 
and, and the lion let the sheep go and he saved the sheep. And then as he's walking away, the lion comes after David. So he turns around and it says he grabbed it by the hair and killed it. <laughs> Out of intimacy with God, he'd been practicing listening to God. He'd been practicing finding strength in desert places. We wilt in the desert. We'll never hear the new season when it comes. I want to encourage your prayer life. Just get intimate. Because this is how you're going to know what the season is. You'll just hear God going, it's now. Yeah. Now. Just do it now. I remember being in a church service once. And it was a big, respectable church. And I'd preached my sermon. And I'd been a good boy. I'd behaved myself. It was, they were singing the closing hymn. It was a very respectable place. And, and I stood there singing. I'd preached pretty well. So I was quite pleased with myself. And I was just worshiping the good Lord and saying, thank you, Jesus. And then there was a little tap on my shoulder. And... This lady with tears streaming down her face, she said, will you pray for me? I said, yes, of course. So I prayed for her and suddenly the front was full of people wanting prayer and the elders started praying for people. And then again, we, just, we were just lost in this little moment of worship at the end of the hymn and this lovely sense of God's presence. And then out of the intimate place of God, he just says to me, run. And I went, no. <laughs> he said, run. I said, Why? He said, Ron, listen, if you're intimate, when it's time, you'll start to hear it. Above the noise of the problem and the chronic condition and all the things that others have said and the diagnosis and the paper and the bank statement, you'll hear, it's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. And thankfully, I was so wrapped up in God at the moment while my brain was going, no, I ain't going to run anywhere. I don't want to look like an idiot. My body started to do what my mind disagreed with. Yeah. And I started to run, and I ran up one of the aisles, about five aisles in this place. I ran up this far aisle, and I, was, I had my arms out like this, and I was running, and I shouted, drink from the river. And in my head, I'm going, you idiot. Just run straight out the back door, and you never have to come back again. What are you doing, you plonker? I got halfway up the aisle, and I saw a teenage girl running up the middle aisle. I thought, thank God, one other idiot. There's two of us. Jesus even did it two by two. Gives you moral strength. I ran around. She ran around. I don't know. It was, I, I fell over under the spirit of embarrassment in the end. And kind of, I lay there and I thought, well, if I twitch, they'll think it's God. So I just lay there and twitched till they all left. I happened to be back in this church a week later. And in the evening, they said, uh, we're going to have testimonies of what God did last Sunday night. I'm like, I want to know what did God do last Sunday night. People got up, the backsliders that had come back to Christ when the elders were praying for them at the front, and people that had been healed and delivered and stuff, good stuff. And then this young teenage girl gets up and she said, as you know, I've had ME for seven years. Isn't it funny how seasons change at certain moments? A lot of times it's seven years. Sometimes it's three. So I'm just saying, when God says, he pulls a lever on your seasons and goes, it's changed now. It's promotion, healing. Relationships, a new financial, a place of establishment, a new mission from God. She said, I had ME for seven years. Last Sunday afternoon, God said to me, I want you to go to church tonight. She doesn't normally go in the evening. She'd be too exhausted and ill. She said, I want you to go to church tonight. I'm going to make you run and I'm going to heal you. She said to God, but God, we don't run in our church. And these were her words. I looked up. And I saw Jared running. And as I saw him run, the power of God came on me. And I ran up the middle aisle and God healed me. Wow. 
that somebody somewhere has to hear a whisper going, run, run, can you not sense it? Winter's over. The season of singing has begun. The sound of cooing of doves is heard in our land. It's a different time. When you used to plant and nothing would happen, now you're planting something will happen. You used to have to guard it from the wild animals, now I'm going to be a fire around about you. When you'd struggle to get up in the morning, now I'm going to get you up. It used to be that you struggled to pray, now I'm going to make it so you find it hard not to pray. It's a new season. It starts to rain and you get soaked in who God is. He says, run. It comes out of intimacy. You see, while we're being intimate, God's doing something inside of us. You're getting bigger. That's why he leaves you sometimes in chronic situations. He's going to grow you until you're bigger than the situation. See, David, he might have been physically smaller, but he was bigger than Goliath. And he was the only man in a whole army that knew it. He was bigger than Goliath. Why? Because he was a man after God's own heart. There was something in him, and it came from the intimate place with God. This is Sir Edmund Hillary who who tried to climb uh, Everest several times, I believe, and failed and and uh, he was looking up at the mountain. He said, Mount Everest, you've defeated me once and you might defeat me again. But I'm coming back again and again and I'm going to win because you can't get any bigger. Mount Everest, but I can. Grr. And the way David would put it is, you, Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. And this is what God built in David in his place of intimacy with God, waiting for the season change. You see, because he was anointed to be king way before it happened, he had a chronic pause. But in that time, out of intimacy, he said, well, I'm going to use this to get bigger. So when my Goliath moment comes, and let's be honest, he didn't know a Goliath moment would come. He just knew something was going to happen, and he had to be ready for it. With your help, look what he did. I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. Goliath was a wall. It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me. He causes me. He causes me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You make your saving help my shield and your right hand sustains me. Your help has made me great. The help of God is in this room. God's here. And I believe he's saying, run, run. For some of you, it's plan, plan some options. For some of you, it's go to Kenya. You need to wake up spiritually. For some of you, it's be in a revived team. For some of you, it's go for that promotion at work. For some of you, it's, it's going to be go for that job that you really know you're not qualified to do. And God's just smiling at you, a slightly wild smile going, go on, let me show off. Let me show off. Let me give you pay rises that you don't deserve. For some of you, he's whispering, okay, tithe. What? You're stuck in chronic poverty. He's going, so just tithe. And he's whispering out of the intimate place, just, just give. It might, it might not be tithe, it might just be anything. Just give something. And he's whispering. But one instruction from God begins to release heaven in our lives and a new season commences. But some David somewhere has to look at everyone else running away, 
has to put away the envy of the brothers who are going, who do you to come down here from? You know, there'll be envy. There'll be other people that want to pull you down. They say, you don't ever have to put a lid on a bucket of crabs. If you've got more than one, you don't need to put a lid on the bucket because as soon as one's trying to climb out the bucket, the others will pull it back down. Your friends aren't going to help you run. The Spirit of God inside you is when everyone is going, no, run that way. You're running the wrong way. You're going to go, no, 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 no. There's something inside me saying, run, run. 